Welcome to Stories from the Center of the Universe, the podcast about the human experience. Tom Greco is back, everybody. Uh, Tom Greco is contemplating starting his own podcast. Uh, he's he's a, got an interesting angle on his podcast. He he likes movies. He likes documentaries. He likes um, things in that general format. Uh, he loves being entertained. He loves deep thinking, uh, and he likes talking about it. And I like uh, listening to Tom talk about it. This week, we are going to talk about uh, the movie. The Mighty Ducks, a Disney product from a long, long time ago, uh, and a recent documentary that came out a couple of months ago called Once Upon a, Upon a Time in Anaheim about the movie's influence uh, on the, the NHL and creating a team in Anaheim. Uh, I, I enjoyed the Mighty Ducks movie. I, I feel I'm a little too old for it, but I really enjoyed the documentary, and I imagine I'm really going to enjoy listening to Tom talk about it. Tom Greco, welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me. Um, and I'm thrilled that uh, that you enjoyed both the movie and you enjoyed the documentary. We just got to get you to watch, you know, D3. That's like the last movie in the franchise. So. There's no way that's happening. <laughs> you never say never, man. You're never too old for the for the Mighty Ducks. Um, hey, everybody. Uh, thanks so much for joining. Uh, Tom Greco here. Um, it's it's late August. It's almost September. Um you know, this is the time of year where, generally speaking, uh, to be very honest with folks, I get a little sad. Um, when I was a kid, the start of school meant um, the coming of cold weather, the coming of, you know, a very brief fall that would quickly turn into a very bitter cold winter, the coming of uh, sweater season, jackets, uh, a little brief interlude of Christmas, followed by, you know, three to four more months of weather where I grew up in Long Island, New York. But uh, one of the things that that did mean was that this time of year meant that it was really close to hockey season. And I thought a perfect kickoff to the fall, to this kind of late summer time frame would be to talk about one of my favorite documentaries that have come out in a long time, Once Upon an Anaheim, and specifically how that documentary discussed one of my favorite movie franchises of all time, The Mighty Ducks. So for me... Whenever I even see the movie title, I am absolutely transported back. It's 1993, and my parents have bought a new Disney movie called The Mighty Ducks. We put it in in VHS. For those of you that remember, the VHS tape would go in, and you would hear this incredible, you know, incredibly loud mechanical click, and the mechanical click would start the tape moving forward. A little bit of snow on the top and the bottom of the screen. Uh, for those of you old enough to remember that, a little. Your father or mother would adjust the tracking if you remember those VCR remotes. And all of a sudden, the FBI warning would put up, would come up, and then you were on to your film. And this film was about a lot of things I love. It's a film about underdogs. It's a film about perseverance. And it's a film about how if you truly believe and work hard, there are victories to be had in just about everything. But first, The Mighty Ducks. Mighty Ducks is a story about a Minnesota attorney named Gordon Bombay, played brilliantly and perfectly by Emilio Estevez as he comes on to the screen and he's larger than life, winning case after case for a power Minnesota law firm. And just so you know, there are three Mighty Ducks movies. The first one is my favorite. A very close second is the third one. 
But for Disney in the early 1990s, Disney to movies was what Wayne Gretzky was to hockey. Simply put, they were crushing the industry. Top of the heap. This was the time frame when we kids got Lion King, Aladdin, Little Mermaid, Hercules. And we know that those films were successful because Disney is still remaking them, putting them now into live action and updating them. The Mighty Ducks was no different. It was a smash hit. And it was a film about a mega ego lawyer, like I said, Gordon Bombay, who hides a secret passion for hockey from his childhood. But unfortunately, the main character is hiding that passion because he had a bad experience. He had his father pass away. And then at the same time that his father passed away, his hockey coach puts un, unnatural and in, inappropriate, I would argue, pressure on him to make a penalty shot in a peewee championship match. And Gordon misses it. And the bad memory haunts him for a lifetime. And in the present day, Gordon is celebrating his most recent victory. And he's out drinking and unfortunately getting behind the wheel when he's stopped by two Minneapolis police officers who ask him to step out of the car. And the next thing we know, Gordon is absolutely railroaded and flushed. I shouldn't say railroaded. He was guilty. But he's absolutely moved into a place where he has to do community service. And with a little bit of Disney magic, that community service is coaching peewee hockey for a band of ragtag children who don't know how to skate, don't know how to handle the puck, and certainly are not ready to win a championship. And the results are exactly what you think. This time around, Gordon helps kids find a love of the game. And for Gordon, he finds that same love of the game that he rediscovers. Positive memories of his father, skating on his childhood pond, and a and true enjoyment for coaching kids in a game that he loves. And the Mighty Ducks, by the way, just so everyone knows why I picked this film, why I think this film is such a milestone. It kicked off and spurred the creation of a ton of feel-good kids movies about kids in sports that we've enjoyed ever since. Movies like The Sandlot, The Little Giants, The Big Green, and Rookie of the Year. With all that in mind, I was transported back to the Mighty Ducks when I watched the ESPN E60 film, Once Upon a Time in Anaheim. Directed by Scott Sikowski and Russell Donalo. I thought this documentary was absolutely fantastic. A bunch of stuff in here that I didn't know about the coming of the film and then how the film absolutely had an impact on real life. So the Mighty Ducks film, you know, was done a long time ago to romanticize ice hockey. And if you think about quintessential American movies, this one was different because normally we get baseball and the natural and you know major league where you have the bottom of the ninth hitter home run you have football like you know like good old times where the quarterback throws a long bomb to a wide receiver with no time left on the clock but this film is about hockey there aren't too many hockey films and more specifically hockey is an incredibly team-based sport meaning there is very rarely that one-on-one moment that is truly defining. But in hockey, there's a rare moment called the penalty shot. And Disney honed in on the penalty shot to give you an in-depth look at the psyche of the characters. And I thought it was absolutely brilliant of Disney. And it gets discussed in Once Upon a Time in Anaheim. Just to give our listeners a little bit of background, um, most of the games right around the time of the Mighty X was made, there were only 20 1991 penalty shots in the entire NHL. Only 29 in 1992. 
that's with an 84 regular season game and with, we'll say, over 26 teams in the NHL at the time. To say the least, penalty shots were rare. If you're like me, I'm a very sentimental person. This film hit something in me that I think a lot of people love, and that's the idea that everyone gets a second chance. I am a huge fan of redemption stories. This was a redemption story. The kids are trying to redeem themselves and show that they can learn, they can improve, and that if they pull together as a team, they can win. For Gordon, it's about if he can go back and right the wrong and show kids how they can enjoy the moment. And he even has a, a, a specific moment that I absolutely, just thinking about it makes me emotional, where he looks at the main child character, Charlie, at the end of the first film, and he goes, Charlie, look around. We're in the championship game. Pretty cool, huh? And you see this smile light up the kid's face, and you say to yourself, wow, that's how sport for children is supposed to be. I love the underdog piece about it. The next piece, though, that I love that doesn't get brought up enough is this. Learning is hard. Yeah, that's right. Learning is hard, and the Mighty Ducks, the kids on the team, learn that learning what how to do this skill is really hard. There's scene after scene where they're using eggs across the ice, a bunch of eggs explode. Goldberg, the goalie, has to be strapped into the net where he's pummeled with ice hockey pucks to get over his fear of getting hit with the puck because he has all this padding. The kids themselves have to learn how to skate, so Gordon buys them a bunch of rollerblades, and they go tearing off through the Twin Cities Mall area, which, by the way, looks like a lot of fun. And later in the franchise, in Mighty Ducks 3, Disney takes the kids and plunks them down with a new coach, not Gordon Bombay. And this coach is not interested in their fancy plays. He's not interested in their flying V and their all kinds of trick Statue of Liberty plays. What he's interested in is them learning how to play better defense, how to check better, how to handle the puck better, how to get it out of the neutral zone, how to make sure that the varsity team doesn't manhandle them physically. And so the kids have to learn again, and it's difficult. The main character, Charlie, one more time, goes and sees Gordon. And he's like, I want it to be fun like it was. And Gordon says, it is fun. But you have to embrace learning something new. And that has stuck with me my entire life. In business, with relationships, something new and learning something new is hard. And I love the fact that those themes are in the original movie franchise. And so I've always treasured the film because of that. I have a soft spot in my heart because of hockey. When I was a kid, I'd watch Barry Beck, John Van Beesbrook, Mike Gartner, and the rest of the Blue Crew New York Rangers take on all comers and more time than not lose. We didn't get a Stanley Cup till 1994 when Mark Messier came to town and showed us how to win. Um, but hockey fans are special, making this film more special. If you talk to Boston Bruin fans, they hate New York. They hate Chicago. They hate Philadelphia. Later in my career, I took a job for the Philadelphia sports teams that are owned by Ed Snyder. I work for Comcast Spectacore, a special holding company. And I got a chance to see up close Philadelphia Flyers games, Philadelphia Sixers games, Philadelphia Phantoms games. And I can tell you the hockey games, they were incredibly special. The people that worked in the box office that could tell you every story of every single Stanley Cup game that the Flyers ever played, all the way to the people who said that they knew Ken Hitchcock, what a wonderful person he was, the people that knew Bobby Clark, here are these people talking about the Broad Street bullies, the, the Philadelphia Flyers who were known to be brutal on the ice. Tiger Williams and, you know, being all cut up in his face. Incredible. 
Truthfully, though, those people that worked in that organization, they talked about those Flyers teams with nothing but love and affection. It's something that always struck me about hockey. So I kept a sweet spot in my heart for all these reasons. And in 2022, Disney did a reboot of the Mighty Ducks, and we even got Emilio Estevez back. I hope Disney redoes it. And I loved it just as much. I love the fact that Gordon Bombay is no longer a lawyer. He's running some weird ice rink. I love the fact that he's coaching the team again with this lady who doesn't know anything about hockey. And I love the fact that the Ducks are back once again being the underdog. And that was all great. But when this past summer, the ESPN film Once Upon a Time in Anaheim came out, I thought this was an amazing story. And, And here's what I learned from the story. Number one, just like the film, Michael Eisner didn't know anything about hockey. He was driving down a California highway in 1992, looked to his left and saw that there was an an ice hockey rink being built in Anaheim. He pulls over and asks some questions to find out who's going to play there. A couple months later, there's a new NHL franchise in Anaheim called the Mighty Ducks. It became Eisner's pet project. So here we go again. Team that doesn't know anything about hockey team that's just taking a dream and trying to put it on the ice, just like the film. They come together, though, and they get a player by the name of Paul Correa in the – I can't remember if he's in the expansion draft or the actual NHL draft. But Paul Correa is just like a combination of Charlie Conway and Adam Banks from the film. Incredibly talented, a huge heart, bigger than the arena he played in, and dedicated to the Ducks. And the franchise would go up against their version of Goliath teams. Uh, for those of you who don't know, in the 1990s, the, the, the Ducks franchise got started in the middle 90s. When it did, it had to go up against the NHL Western Conference. And there was a team in the Western Conference called the Detroit Red Wings. Let me share with you that that is like the New York Yankees of the 1950s in baseball. That was like the Boston Celtics in the 1950s, 60s, and 1980s in basketball. The the Red Wings were coached by Scotty Bowman, arguably one of the greatest NHL coaches of all time. The Red Wings had Steve Eiserman, Sergei Fedorov, Kirk Maltby, Chris Chelios, Thomas Holtram, Brendan Shanahan, Konstantinov, Larionov, Darren McCarty, Nicholas Lidstrom, Chris Osgood, or Dominic Hasek in goal. All of those men, Hall of Famers. All of that team with their great big bright red uniforms with, with bird wings on them just to absolutely add insult to injury, almost like they were literally the Hawks in the Mighty Ducks film would take the ice against the Mighty Ducks. And for a long time, they absolutely slaughtered them. The Red Wings teams that I just mentioned won seven championships between 1996 and 2008, a vast majority. And the Ducks and their new little expansion team had very little to cheer about. They had Dizzy on ice before the game. (laughs) They had Dizzy on ice in between periods. And it was awfully great to see Lumiere and the cast from, you know, uh, Beauty and the Beast come out and sing Be Our Guest. But unfortunately, the song somehow made its way to the opposing team's locker room because they absolutely enjoyed being in Anaheim. And there was a couple of shining moments. In 2003, you know, the Ducks were up again. The the Ducks actually – had made it all the way through to the NHL finals. And who do they run into? They run into another excellent team at the time, the New Jersey Devils. New Jersey Devils had a person on their team named Scott Stevens. 
huge defenseman, incredibly talented, Hall of Famer in his own right. Paul Correa in 2003 takes a slap shot to the head, goes down, comes off the ice, is brought back to consciousness, looks up and says, where am I? Can't remember where he is. Can't remember what he was doing. Just knows he is told that the Ducks are playing in the Stanley Cup Finals, that the game is still going on, and he rushes back out on the ice. Not something that would happen today. And certainly we don't enjoy, you know, we, we wouldn't want to, you know, advise that for concussion protocols. But it's a, it's a, it's a big moment in Ducks history. Yeah, I don't remember the Red Wings player. Was it in the Jersey Devils series or the Red Wings? I can't remember. It was, yeah. the, it was the Devils, yeah. It was the Devils, and the guy crushed him. It wasn't a puck. It was a human being twice the size of Korea. That's right. That's right. It was a hit. That's exactly right. Korea uh, came to the team, I think, the first time they went through the NHL draft. Um, and one of the things I remember from the, the documentary, building through uh, free agency, basically picking up uh, – scrubs before you can uh, actually pick up studs like Korea. Korea was the number one overall pick. So not only were they fortunate enough to get uh, Korea, they they were in that spot because they were really bad for a long time. They couldn't score. That, that's absolutely right. They And they also couldn't stop the puck. Some of the scores were ridiculous. Paul, thank you. That's right. He was hit and he took like such a monster hit and he went down like a ton of bricks. And so thank you for, for correcting me. That's That's absolutely right. Well, the Ducks didn't win the Cup that year. Here's the wonderful part about it. They did come back in 2007, and they finally won the Cup. A little bittersweet moment. Paul Correa retired in 2006. Again, just an absolute heart-wrenching moment for me as I look back and watch this film. You know, I'm a Yankee fan, and everyone's like, oh, you got nothing to complain about. You don't have any bittersweet moments. Well, actually, we do. You know, Don Mattingly retired in 1995, the year before he could have been a part of all those magical mid-90s New York Yankee teams. So for those folks out there that are listening that love the Ducks, I get you. I understand that it would have been so much sweeter to have, you know, Jean-Sebastien Jaguer lift the cup with Tay Mussolini and Paul Correa, um, and that we all wish that that could have happened. So I I totally get it. What struck me about the film was that if you look at this team, they eventually win the championship. They eventually overcome their version of the Hawks. And most importantly, they do that with great team play, with hard work, and doing it in a way that everybody who loves sport would be proud of. But the fact was that learning for them was hard. Just like in the film, The Mighty Ducks, they had to realize Paul Correa couldn't do it by themselves. So he went. they went and got Tamu Solani. They got John Sebastian Jaguer. They got some other role players. They had to learn how to play in the playoffs and get beat and then learn how to win. And for Disney themselves, they learned too. In 2005, they sold the Ducks franchise, and it no longer was the Mighty Ducks. It became just the regular Ducks of Anaheim. So that was that was a uh, that I, I just thought it was an incredible moment where life was imitating art a heck of a lot more. So for me, this film, this team was one of those things that I take a step back and I smile, but I get that butterfly feeling in my chest. I don't know if our listeners have ever experienced that when you hear a song or see a film that brings you back to a time when you really 
had a very bright-eyed and bushy-tailed view of the world, but it did for me. Every time I see that film and I see Gordon Bombay's, you know, perfect, you know, business version of the Vanilla Ice fade from the from the early '90s, or I see the kids walking around with super electric blue and purple, you know, Mighty Ducks jerseys, uh, it, it's exciting. So that's what the film, you know, Once Upon a Time in Anaheim taught me was that sometimes art can imitate life or life can imitate art. It taught, it, it reinforced for me that we should never forget that sport is about hard work and determination and improvement, that it's about teamwork and it's about the fact that learning is hard. I love that, Tom. Yeah, a couple of thoughts uh, from me. Steve Brill, the guy who wrote uh, the Mighty Ducks in the first place. I mean, he he's he grew up playing hockey, uh, so he had uh, that relationship with the sport for a really long time before he wrote it. But he was a struggling writer. Uh, I imagine a lot of guys like Steve Brill when they go to Hollywood, they're like, "Hey, I want to write, I want to act, I want to direct, I want to do all kinds of fun things." But in the beginning, it's hard, especially if you're not connected to anybody. You just show up. And you're like, I want to do well. That's uh, right. His roommate, uh, Pete Berg, I mean, that dude's fascinating. He's a scrapper. Uh, he was in the movie Aspen Extreme, which was actually a really good movie for those of you skiers out there. Yeah, and, and he's directed a bunch of movies, too. That's right. And so the fact that those two guys that ended up doing very well in Hollywood were super struggling, and the way Berg described how Brill would walk around the house. Uh, he, he goes, it was just miserable, but he was obsessed with writing the Mighty Ducks. Uh, and I also love learning where the name Gordon Bombay came from. That's right. A couple of bottles of uh, vodka. <laughs> no, gin. It was gin. I think it was gin. I think it was Bombay gin. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, uh, genius. I, I guess I would call uh, mine Mark, uh, yeah, Mark Daniels, I guess, would be the name of my main character if I wrote that. Absolutely. Mine, you know, mine would be uh, um, Mark Mark Jefferson, right? Because I, I like Jefferson bourbon. So so for sure, I, I'm with you. So I, I, I think you make a great point, Paul, that on top of that, the, the as, as far as the, the writing of it goes. So it was an underdog story, too, that they went to Disney, this gigantic, you know, Literally, even then, over 50-year-old, you know, movie studio, known for doing these family-friendly movies, known for being this juggernaut, and they literally pitch it to them, just like, hey, we got nothing to lose. Let's give it this, this shot. And the film, not only does it take off, but Disney Disney, Disney scoops it up. They're like, oh, no, that's a win. This is going to be fantastic. You know, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, the way they told the story of the documentary is they – the producer, the guy who ultimately produced the movie, who connected with, with Brill early on, said this this screenplay, this um, this is so well written that we're going to take it straight to Disney. And, and to your point, Disney scooped it up. Uh, yeah, and your point around Disney uh, sold the team before they, they won the Stanley Cup. Korea wasn't there. What a bummer. Uh, Timu Solani was traded and then, came, right. and then came back to actually that's win the right. Cup. That's exactly right. And then the goalie, you can say his name. I can't say his name. Say his John name. Sebastian Jaguar. Yeah, it's a great name. He it won Con, Con Smythe in the Stanley Cup. They lost to the Devils. And, and he skates off. He's clearly dejected. And, and they shared that when he got to the locker room, he just kind of threw it on the table. Like, he didn't care at all about winning that. You know, it's 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 hilarious, too. You make that 
<laughs> so I love that part because to me, Jaguar just reminds me of Fulton in the film, right? He's like, he's not a bash brother in that he's not out there checking people, even though the Ducks had their own, you know, Ed Grimsby or whatever that guy's name is, that was a huge, you know, enforcer. But, you know, legitimately, you know, Jaguar wanted them to win. He felt they could win. He believed in that team and he was vocal about it, right? And so he was like, let's do whatever we have to do to learn this and to win. And I thought that was just so compelling when I when I listened to his story. But yeah, throwing the Con Smythe trophy, fantastic point. And what a visual to to say that learning is hard. Like had to it had to be a lump right here that they lost to the devils after all that pain. And then here's your consolation prize in his mind, right? Not right. that Smythe is, but in his mind. Um, well, so- and actually, it's kind of amazing to be the losing coming from the losing team to win the Con Smythe. But but hockey, like football, basketball, baseball, and lots of other team sports, it's about the the community. It's about the team yeah. effort. Uh, and and Jair was obviously fully bought in, and he was also a stud goalie for yeah. a decade. Yeah, absolutely. And he would wind up going on to a couple more All Star games. And you know, the Ducks have become you know more relevant. They've made the playoffs fourteen of the 29 years that they have been in the NHL as of last year's statistics, um, which is, you know what, that is, that's serviceable. That's very respectable. In my opinion, there are plenty of franchises who don't have that, you know, that run. And in today's world where you see teams make a run, then get blown up uh, for, you know, economic reasons, it was, it was great to hear about a team that really stuck together, you know, like this, like this team did who wasn't, Colorado, Pittsburgh, Detroit, uh, you know, Philadelphia, New York, Boston, um, because those teams have had a history of trying to build over the long haul as well. So it was it was just really cool. I thought I thought I love that part. Of it. Yeah. So, Tom, this is episode two for your podcast. We don't have a name uh, for it yet. We're going to come back to that in a second. Um, you got me to rewatch The Last Dance, which I uh, enjoyed rewatching. It's an, an incredible series. Uh, and, and to your point earlier, it takes you back to that butterfly time in your life when you were bright eyed and bushy tailed. That was definitely true for me uh, when Jordan was just dominating the league for roughly yeah. a decade. Uh, and then uh, I had never seen the Mighty Ducks. Only Tom Greco could get me to watch the, the, uh, the Mighty Ducks. Uh, and, and, and then I, as I was enjoying it, I was like, damn you, Tom Greco. Uh, <laughs> And then, but the documentary, I, I can't uh, say enough to uh, the folks that listen to this. You should get, definitely go check out uh, the documentary. And it's just a, it's a, it's a feel good documentary. It gives you some insights that were kind of uh, cool to hear or really cool in, in many cases. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad you and I are friends, Tom. I'm glad you are causing me to uh, do things that I wouldn't normally or naturally do. Uh, but, but let's end this by talking about uh, some working titles for your, your podcast. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so we're, we're playing around with a couple of these. Um, you know, I, I, I haven't really settled on one. Like we're trying to think about concepts like um, uh, memories and reaction. You know, I'm not saying those are the words I'm saying. That's what we're thinking about. Um, Paul, like, you know, I love stories. That's why I love stories from the center of the universe. I think your podcast that you host is absolutely brilliant. I love it. For those of you that are listening to just me, you should absolutely turn it, tune in to stories of the center of the universe. Uh, Paul does an absolutely fantastic job. 
Um, I love human stories. I love the fact that we can earmark the passage of time with sports, right? Like there's, there's something about the, the 1997 or 2003 Ducks team. There's something about the 1999 or sorry, 1997, 1998 Bulls team. There, there's something about those teams that are just, you remember where you were, you remember what you used to wear, you remember what was on television or, or on the radio. And so that's what we're, we're, we're kind of playing with. So for those of you that are listening out there, you know, um, you know, put in, in, in the comments, if you, you know, see this on social media, put in the comments, you know, your, your ideas for the name of this podcast. Uh, and, and, you know, Hey, give us some ideas of what you think would not be a good name as, as well. And Tom, you are uh, well-versed in many things. Are you thinking this is stays in a sports only lane or does this maybe broaden a bit? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the answer is no, I think we're going to broaden it. Um, there, there's, there's been, so if, again, for our listeners out there, I, I love film. Film is w- one of my most enjoyable activities. My wife and I really uh, forged our relationship talking about movies, talking about things. Over the, the, the last week, my, my daughter got ready to go back to school. And so we were having a movie marathon a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and we were comparing the 1994 and 2018 or 19 movie Little Women and the differences between then and now. And, you know, I was sticking up for the 1994 version, um, even though I thought the 2019 version was really very well done. Timothy Chalamet is an amazing actor. So I, I love this idea of reacting and digesting things. These are the types of conversations when when I go to work in the morning, this is what I want to talk to people about outside of work, right? This is how I want to connect with people. How did that story make you feel? So I think we're going to expand it to film. I, I don't want to make this too much about business. You know, for those of you that know me, I, you know, I'm in business today and I I want to keep this something that's fun. And, and so not about the economy, not about, you know, I'm trying not to make this about current events. We're coming up on an election year. I think everyone's going to get a nice big face full of all that good stuff, right? Yeah, and we're we're not going to contribute to it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I want I want to give folks an escape, just like a good story would be. Yeah, I love that, Tom. Uh, yeah, I have a feeling I'm going to be watching a lot more stuff uh, over the next few months. Uh, <laughs> little Women, like I, I, it's never even crossed my mind to watch e- either version of that movie. You know, um, I'll, I'll, I'll tease the, uh, I'll tease the audience a little bit. I think that's going to be the next podcast, even though I understand it's not, uh, I understand for those of you out there who have just heard two back-to-back sports pod, you know, podcasts, I know that a bunch of you are going to be like, you know, well, what, what's going on there with, with, with Tom Greco and what, what's he doing? Here's what I can tell you. I, I think it's just a really good example of huge actors for the time versus some fairly new actors for this time, right? And so why is that important? What does that do for you? Also, too, stories that are about family, if, if you know, The Mighty Ducks, for me, is right up there, right? For those of you that, I know we're, we're not doing this on video, Paul can see my screen right now. and can see the Ducks jersey I have on my wall, and he can see that um, that was a gift from a team, and I kind of talked to them about, graduating to a new coach, just like in the Mighty Ducks. So these things are important to me. But when you take it to family, 
Well, that just elevates the story impact to me. So stories about families are are huge with me. So that's why Little Women is a is, is a big deal. So, so I'm did, sure you tell, did you just tell me I have to spend? I'm guessing roughly three and a half hours watching those two movies. I'm not saying that yet. We still, we're, I need to, to talk with you a little bit more about, there's a couple of proposed topics. There's also the most recent flash film, which is fun, but I have so much on my mind about it because I love the stories of, of DC comics. Uh, so we've got a couple of options. So um, be on the lookout. We are going to try to make this a monthly podcast so as we sit here today the goal is to get out the next podcast before october one and to then truck on it is going to be difficult over the holidays um but we're going to try to we're going to try to do it so all right and, and just for everybody's uh edification you your wife and your daughter i think maybe coaxed you to watch little women we'll just you don't have to answer that we'll, we'll leave it there right. i have uh Three children. Uh, my oldest is uh, my sons, and my younger two are uh, young ladies. And I'm with my daughters a lot more than I'm with my son because he's been off to college for a, a few years. But I've never found myself uh, being coaxed into watching Little Women. So, so again, I know that, I, like I said, I know that I'm going to take a bunch of like, well, what, like, what is going on here? However, I. I will always, I never want to greet the audience with something that isn't authentic, right? So you're always going to get the true reaction from me. So that just is something that it spurred a ton of debate in my household. And I got to thinking, if my 16-year-old and I can have a, a really great conversation about the, this, this book, this story about family, and how it was portrayed two different ways, there's got to be a lot of people my age who have seen both, both films. So more to come, you know, on that uh, and, and, and that type of thing, more to come on movies like, you know, the, you know, as we get into mob movies and stuff like that, I think we can go, you know, please the action fans in you, Paul. So don't worry. No, Hey, hey, look, one of the things I, I really love about uh, what I'm doing on the stories podcast. And I, and I think what you naturally do is breadth of experience, breadth of understanding uh, is very, very, very important, especially, and I know people say this all the time, but especially in these times, let, let's get to know things that make maybe make us uh, feel a little uncomfortable or, or stretch us outside of our normal comfort zone. That's, I think that's exactly right. I also think it's fun to try to experience how other people are feeling because it's what makes us uniquely human. Right. Yeah. And so uh, it's, it's our God given individuality expressing itself in, in ways our body, minds, and souls feel. So I look forward to it. It's, this is this, Paul, I, I can't thank you enough. This is so much fun for me and for listeners. If you have feedback, we'll be, you know, pushing the episodes out on Facebook and LinkedIn and stuff like that. So, you know, feel free to give comments and commentary, what you think would be better. And I apologize to the listeners. I had a couple of data points incorrect but we try to correct them so thank you so much uh for for if you if you have that feedback we're always willing to listen cool tom another good one i am excited to do one in about a month thank you so much paul thanks for having me thanks everybody see you next time welcome to stories from the center of the universe the podcast about the human experience 